Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Hello, and welcome to Trending with Timory. My name is Patrick Conley, filling in for Timory this evening as she is away on maternity leave. And based on her social media posts, all seems to be going well with Timory, her baby, and her family. So, Deo gracias for that. You know, I'm really excited about tonight's show. I really am. Regular listeners, you know that Mondays on Trending are happy hour days, talking about those things which contribute to our authentic happiness. And uh, and yeah, getting a little uh, getting a little happy as we do it too. I hope. I sat in for Timory last Thursday. If you caught that, um, we had a fascinating conversation about communism and specifically American communism through the eyes of a woman who was immersed in it before she eventually left it in favor of Catholicism. Uh, man, deep conversation, and not always an easy one. Of course, if you want to take a listen to it, you can always do that at the show page on RelevantRadio.com. You can also go to all your favorite podcasting platforms and find Trending with Timory there as well. But tonight, since it is happy hour, I think we should eh, we should probably talk about something a little more on the lighter side. Jim, what do you think? Is Would that be okay? Something a little bit lighter? Sounds good to me. <laughs> You're all right with that. Well, here, get this, Jim. Here's here's what I think we're talking about tonight. Um, we're going to talk about faith. These are two of my favorite things, by the way. Faith being one, and the other, food. Huh? You're going to faith make, and you're going to make me hungry. I'm already <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I am because I, I just wanted. I was going to ask you here at the outset, Jim. What's your What's your favorite food? Oh, that's hard to say. Anything grilled. Anything on a charcoal grill outside. Um, one in particular that's a good Italian dish is a chicken spadini, where you kind of flatten the chicken and put it on the skewers, get the good char on it, but you got the garlic and the olive oil. And oh am I making gosh. me hungry yet? Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna have to wipe the saliva off the microphone here in just a minute. Wow, that's really good. And actually, you you uh, you anticipated my follow up questions, which were, you know, is there any specific place you like to get it, or any specific place you like to eat it? Um, but here's one for you, Jim. So, are there any is there any particular people that you like to eat grilled food or maybe another kind of food with? Is there is there somebody that you always think, ah, yeah, when I'm eating with this person, it's going to be great? <laughs> Usually, family, always family, and yeah. uh, you know, it, it's one of the things that uh, growing up, my dad every single weekend he was grilling something: burgers, pork oh, yeah. steaks, or you know, bratwurst. Uh, that was that was one of his favorites, and. Uh, so it's always a good time having my son out there helping me uh, grill, just like I did when I was growing up, helping my dad. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. You know, and I, um, I, I tell people that, uh, when, when they ask me, what's your favorite food and I'm, I'm teaching, I'm doing some teaching of religion in, uh, in a school setting, you know, so, um, I, I get kids who are asking me all sorts of, they have some great God questions, but you know, they want to get to know me too. So they say, okay, Mr. Conley, what's your favorite food? And I'll, I'll come back with, well, you know, when I was your age, I used to answer that question, pizza. That's what I would always say. I, my favorite food is pizza. But now that I'm older, I'm more mature, I'm an adult now, I really mean it. <laughs> pizza <laughs> is still my favorite food. I mean, that that is, uh, yeah, and I've got a whole, I've got gradations of like where you get it and um, different classifications of pizza. You know, there's the like the frozen pizzas. So I've got my favorites of those. You got uh, kind of like what I call your pizza chain restaurant pizzas. I think you know what I mean. But then, you know, there's the pizzeria pizza too. That's like these uh, authentic Italian places. And uh, yeah, and yeah, it's all uh, it's all over that. Patrick Alog just said in the, in the chat here that pizza is his favorite food too. So yeah, well, if we got two Patricks, I think Patrick Madrid, Madrid may not agree with us. I think he might be more of a taco guy. I, I don't know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I think he well, likes pizza, too. Well, the, uh, well here, quick question, though, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. Does pineapple belong on pizza? That's oh, the- gee. Yeah, <laughs> see, you're going to get all kinds of people calling us. By the way, our phone number here on Trending with Timbery is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Um, and... Uh, You're just going to get people. I mean, you're stirring the pot here, Jim. That's what happens. Patrick Alog says, yes, pineapple does belong. I got to go with Patrick here as well. Um, I I am a fan of pineapple and pizza. How about you, Jim? I love Pizza Hawaii. I I actually fell in love with it in uh, Austria, of all places. Oh, yeah? So they called it the Pizza Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Of course. Yeah, very good. Love it. Okay. All right. I get it. All right. Well, um, we'll see if the controversy strikes up the uh, the phone lines suddenly flood. Um, I'm glad that Patrick Alog is taking those calls and not me, um, at least for screening's sake. Yeah. But tonight we're going to talk about not just not just uh, any you know anything to do with food, but we're going to talk about the intersection of food and faith. You know, personally, I don't believe that God gave us eating just merely as a physical sustenance thing, like something that, you know, maintains this physical body that we've been given. And one of my great tips in that, and that's in kind of working that out or or figuring in the way that I do, is that there is such pleasure in food. Um, There's pleasure in eating it, sure. I don't think any of us would argue with that. Um, But there's also, or at least there can be, pleasure in obtaining it and in preparing it. And I, I think this is the way that God meant it to be. There are all sorts of ritualistic actions in and around food. I mean, Jim, you were just talking about, you know, helping your dad around the grill and having your son out there, having him help you around the grill. And it's kind of a thing. Yeah. Memorial Day, 4th of July, other block parties, you know, summer block parties. You got the guys gathered around the grill, probably with a beer in the hand. One guy's got an apron and a spatula, but everybody else is kind of just there for like moral support as you're talking about football or whatever it is that you're talking around the grill. It's It's got ritualistic actions to it, um, ritualistic practices with it. And that's that's one of the great things, I think, um, about food is that there there's just a drawing of people together. But even I, I mentioned obtaining it. And uh, that's one of the things that um, 
really struck me. My wife and I a few years ago took a vacation to Nova Scotia, and we signed up for this all-day cooking class where they took us out to these places in Nova Scotia where we actually got um, exposed to, like we went to a farm and gathered some of our ingredients there. We went to a farmer's market and we gathered some of our ingredients there. We went even went to a, uh, it was a, a humane butcher shop. So, um, and they took us through their whole operation and then we got the meat for our for our dinner there. And there was such, it was such a bonding time between these kind of, I don't know, 10 or 12 strangers. And then we took it all home and made it. Um, so it was, and it was delicious by the way. So there's, there's a whole bunch of great things that happen in and around faith. But what are some of the other intersections of food and faith? Um, we've really got two great guests coming up here, but, um, you know what? We did get we get believe it or not, we got another Pat calling in from northern Michigan. And uh Pat, you you have some comments about uh, pineapple on pizza, is that right? Can we have Pat on the on air too? Maybe. I'm here. Yeah, hi Pat. So what what do you say, Pat? Pat pineapple on pizza or not? Well, yeah, of course you got to have like ham or bacon, some kind of pork. But if you put pineapple on pizza, you also got to put banana peppers on. Because you got to have a little bit of hot counteract the sweet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow. Okay. All right. Banana peppers. I'm gonna have to try that. I've never tried that. Is it, it so? You got the the hot and the sweet together. Yeah. 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 And I like it better with the bacon than I do the ham. Okay. All right. Bacon, banana peppers, and and uh, pineapple on a pizza. All right. Well, that's that sounded really good. Pat, thanks for the call. Thanks for listening to Trending with Timmy. So grateful that you're uh, listening and that you called in to tell us about that. So um, we've got two great guests coming up uh, tonight that are going to lead us further into this discussion about faith and food. Uh, First up, Alexandra Greeley is with us. She's a convert to Catholicism. She's the author of a book published by Tan Books called Cooking with the Saints. She's spent her life working in the food world as a cookbook author, a restaurant reviewer, and a trained chef. But becoming Catholic actually shaped her food passion, forging a pathway to God through her food, faith, volunteer work in her parish, where she has offered cooking classes with the saints. We want to hear more about that. Tended tended an organic garden and helped run a farmer's market. Alexandra, thank you for being with us. So grateful that you're here. My pleasure. And the 10 books is Catholics in the Kitchen because... (laughs) The other book is from uh, Sophia Press. Sorry, Cooking with the Saints. That's right. Um, you're, uh, but uh, yes, that's right. Thank you for the <laughs> correction there. Cooking with the Saints, and then the the Tan books is Catholics in the Kitchen, which is the book I really wanted to talk about tonight. Yes, Catholics sure. in the Kitchen. Right. Great. Well, before all this, before we get into the book, Alexander, first of all, very grateful that you're with us. But I Thank just, you. where did it all start for you? Where did you start um, the whole cooking thing? Where did it start to be appealing to you? When I lived in Hong Kong many decades ago, I was hired to be the food editor of the South China Morning Post. And I did that for a year, and I was introduced to to a food world that I had no idea existed. And a very well-known Chinese chef, food person, took me around to all these restaurants, and I ate food. I had no idea even, you know, it was not any part of Western culture at all. Mm. So it really started me on the whole food train and when I came back to the United States, I was hired by Time Life Cookbooks to write great meals in minutes. 
Wow. Which is okay. for three years, you know, so that's my food thing. Wow. Yeah. And it, it really got it kicked off, like you said, a, a whole new world there for you as well. And I'm just, I, I'm very curious about this. So you are a trained chef. Now, I, I've, yes. I'm curious about this with all kinds of uh, chefs and, uh, you know, maybe even short order cooks, people who are working in, in the food uh, industry, especially as a cook or a chef. Does it steal some of the joy out of it from you? Or do you find yourself just reveling in it? Um, I was very grateful to be able to take the cooking classes I took and to work in a uh, catering kitchen where I taught some of, you know, I was learning some of the very basics of, you know, basic cooking, which was wonderful. And it, it really meant a lot to me. It really informed my, my ability to cook and it helped shape my passion. It really mm. set me forward on that path. Okay. Um, wonderful. I learned wonderful skills, wonderful skills. Yeah, and, I can and imagine. A lot of a lot of local chefs have been very helpful too because I've interviewed many, maybe 300 local chefs in the DC area and many of them have been very helpful. Wow. A, a great great pleasure. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's turn to the book. The book is Catholics in the Kitchen. This is the one that I wanted to talk to you about tonight. Um subtitled sure. Nurturing the Bond Between Faith and Food. Um why don't you first of all again tell us how where did the idea for this book come from? Um, I think it was based on having done cooking with the saints. I wanted to continue on featuring the Catholics that I've interviewed for the National Catholic Register. My editor there said I had the the, uh, right to go ahead with that. So I picked out the people across all fields, from farmers to chefs to cookbook authors, and decided to pick out the ones that had the most interesting career. And it was really a, a great pleasure. The book is dedicated to James Ennis, who is the CEO of Catholic rural life sure. and it helps help support rural ca- uh, Catholic farmers. Right, and that right. He, he was a great inspiration for all of this. Yeah, very good. Well, shout out to Jim Ennis too, who was the as you said the executive director of Catholic rural life. Um, grateful. I know he's a he's a uh, friend of our local show in the Twin Cities as he lives there in the Twin Cities, so we have him on from time to time there. But great stuff um, in the book. Why don't you give us give us an overview of of the uh, the format of the book, Alexandra? So I picked out the several sections of, of, of like the farmers, the priests chefs and cooks and cookbook authors, I went through all the, the profiles that I'd written for the register, and I selected the people who had the most interesting and um, unusual background and great skills in cooking. And they were very, very delighted to be part of this pr- uh, process. It took a lot of time because I, I interviewed them, I wrote profiles, I sent it to them to correct, and I sent it to the editor, and I had to send it back again. So it was a lot of back and forth. But they are, were wonderful, inspiring people. They are. They, you know, they're still, still cooking, still growing food, and still writing about food. They're mm-hmm. great, great, interesting people. And that's how I got started doing it. I, it's hard to even pick out who was the most interesting because they, they all had extraordinary careers. They really, careers or, or food skills, cooking skills, really mm-hmm. wonderful. Like Any Father at the Leo. top? Of, what's that? Yeah, I was just going to ask. Any at the top of your mind right now that uh, you'd like you could share their story about? Well, Father Leo, as you know, has been on EWTN, and he has he's written several cookbooks. He did a cooking demonstration at my former parish, St. Veronica Catholic Church, and I was, my uh, priest allowed me to go and work with him in the kitchen. And it was an extraordinary experience to work with Father Leo, who is a delightful person, really understands Catholicism, and is a terrific, terrific cook. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I learned a lot. It was quite impressive. Mm-hmm. But they were all very interesting people. Um, I, I just, it's hard to pick out who was the most most fascinating because they all <laughs> they all had their wonderful lives to, to talk about, really. Certainly, yes. Went. Yeah, as you look through the book and and you see this, and it's it's I mean, just so people know, this is there's some great stories from each of these each of these cooks, um, uh, but there's also recipes. I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at the the book right now. You've got um, bacon fat popcorn, fizzy tea. Uh, you've got a all that's a wonderful got, farmer farmer. Yes, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm just, I'm fascinated. But you, you, it, you're buying a cookbook that has stories in it as well. Um, when you, when you get this Catholics in the kitchen, but, but you're also, I mean, really, a lot of this and what's behind it, and really what the focus is of our show tonight, Alexander, is kind of the intersection of food and faith. So, if someone were just to ask you, I guess I am asking you, what is that intersection? What, wh- how does food play a role in faith? What would you say? Well, first of all, without food that God has given us, we would not be alive. So to me, that's a major connection. When I had the farmer's market at uh, on the grounds of St. Veronica, the market was outside of the church, and um, we gave tours for people to go inside the church. So that made a real connection between food and faith. And I think that people have to understand that without what God has given us, no one would be alive. There would be no plants, there would be no animals, there would be no fish, there would be nothing. So we always have to consider it to thank God for, for being alive and and having the food to sustain us. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is a real connection, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, sometimes we, we take for granted or overlook the obvious, right? But you're exactly right. I mean, just the provision of food that God has given us to sustain us. And I was I was reflecting some in my opening, uh, my opening thoughts that, you know, there's— it's not just that the food just goes in like it's some sort of pill that we swallow, but there's such pleasure in and around consuming it. But I said also obtaining the food, preparing the food, and of course the fellowship that we partake in uh, with it. Right? I mean, there's multiple aspects of this. Absolutely, absolutely. It's um, well, if you, I don't know which of the the uh, recipes appeal to you, but they we all had to, we had to all be tested which of course they've been, and they all are things that are very well-known, like Chef Evelyn Bunuan, who's a, a Filipino chef who cooks for the Philippine embassy here. She is just, she has an amazing market called Filipino Oriental Market, and she serves the local Filipino community, but also people who are hungry. She has a, a program that takes food to, to uh, the impoverished people in the area. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people do things like that with food, and that connects them to God because Without food, of course, these these impoverished people wouldn't wouldn't be able to survive. Mm-hmm. So it's people like that who really think of all the aspects of what food really means to human life. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah. with J, J, Jim Ennis, and you know, without Catholic farmers, without farmers, we wouldn't have any food. We wouldn't have cattle. We wouldn't have anything. So people like Jim Ennis has to really be recognized for what he contributes to our mm-hmm. farming world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. The book is dedicated to him. We're speaking with Alexander Greeley, who is the author of Catholics in the Kitchen, released by recently by Tan Books, um, nurturing the bond between faith and food. It's filled with great stories of lay people, of clergy who are 
cooks or chefs as well, as well as recipes from them. So it's a fantastic uh, a book to get your hands on. I'm just looking over a recipe for chicken creole right now, actually, as we're talking. And I'm starting to get hungry. Oh, my goodness. I should have eaten before the show. Anyway, Alexandra, are you, are you able to, to hang on for a bit? we got to take sure. a short break, but can you hang on? Of course. Okay, great. Well, we'll talk to you more. We're going to take a short break, but more of Trending with Timory, Food and Faith, coming up right after this. Today's programming is sponsored by Colby Academy, offering a customized Catholic curriculum. Colby Academy knows the ultimate goal of education is to help our children be saints. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Yeah, indeed. Welcome back to Trending with Timory. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Timory tonight as we're uh, Monday night is happy hour night, and we're talking about food and faith. Our guest right now is Alexandra Greeley, who is the author of uh, Catholics in the Kitchen, released by Tan Books. We've just been talking about the book itself that's loaded with stories of clergy and laity who alike have found some joy in the kitchen and are sharing that with others. Through stories and through recipes. And I tell you what, if you have a specific way that maybe you've had a specific meal that uh, that you've had that has really been bolstered your faith or the faith of someone in your family or in your circle of friends, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Alexandra, thank you for being with us again. And uh, any you, you talked some about some of the stories in here. Is there... Um, is there? I, I'm I'm looking right now at uh, the one from Elaine Boland. Um, she, I just want to uh, share this with our listeners. So she just finished cooking a lamb chili. This is from the book to sell in her farm store, along with several other stews and dishes. It'd been a hectic day. She finished the last batch. It was nearly midnight. And instead of waking her husband up to help carry the full pots downstairs to the refrigerator, Elaine figured she could do it herself. And this is what she says. She says, down the stairs, I most certainly went. Tripping, bouncing off the walls and stairs all the way down. (laughs) Broken ribs, chilly everywhere, floor to ceiling and around the bend. Need I say more? She says, the moral of the story, know your quitting time and ask for help. (laughs) And I guess as I I chuckle, as I read that, because I think we've all had this type of experience, haven't we? I mean, when it comes to cooking, that there's, you know, there's this time when you're preparing a meal, you're, you're really looking forward to sharing it with others, and then something happens. That ever happened to you, Alexandra? Anything coming to mind? Oh, yes. I have cooked things and forgotten and left them in the stove and burned them. Oh, yes. I think everybody has that uh, problem. And certainly Elaine, Elaine used to have a farm, Fields of Athenry Farm, which unfortunately she has uh, moved away from. She still keeps it, but she used to live on the farm itself. Mm. And she had a store there. I don't know if it's still an operation, but she would sell all the things that they grew and the soups that she made. And she has a, a small restaurant in a nearby town where she takes the soups that she makes too. And they were mm. really wonderful. I would I would drive all the way out there. 
I lived about 40 minutes away just to buy the soup <laughs> because mm-hmm. it was she made it from scratch. They were just extraordinary. I mean, wow. she's a really talented chef, really. Yeah, well, terrific that, person. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. I, 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 I guess what it draws to mind for me is that um, there can be such joy in the preparation of the meal. We had a couple of great friends come and visit us over the Christmas octave, and uh, we prepared a meal together. And that, in and of itself, you know, was bonding. Uh, between us, that there is there is such joy to be found in preparing a meal as well. Have you found that too, Alexandra, in in your experiences? Well, absolutely. When I did taught the cooking classes at St. Veronica, it was a wonderful way to bring people together. Because I live in Washington D.C., there are uh, embassies all around and consulates, and I could invite chefs from each country. I've had even someone from wow. Cambodia who had come in and talked to people. And they learned so much about all these different countries, different Catholics from everywhere. And they learned how to cook these really unusual foods. I mean, even uh, I told you about Evelyn Bunuan. She brought in a a Filipino television crew and filmed the the cooking class and showed it on her her, uh, local channel. But um, everyone loved to be together. It was a great experience. And then we would sit down and eat everything afterwards. And the priests priest, one of the priests would come and join us Mm. with us, which was a wonderful way to bring, you know, food and faith together. It was really a great way. He would say a prayer and, you know, it was just terrific. And the people learned about all these different countries and different types of cuisines. It was was a great experience for everybody, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I've had, I've had meals prepared for me by, by clergy before. And it's, it's, I I don't know, there's just something different about it. I mean, in a sense, it's, it's kind of richer. I mean, you see this, this man who is, you know, you see him up front at mass, you see him in all these pastoral roles and that sort of thing. But then, um, you know, I'm thinking one particular time when I, when I dined with a priest and a a deacon in, in the priest rectory, and just as he made his way around the kitchen and he's, you know, he's preparing all this food, there's a there's a bond there. I felt closer to this this man um, just through being able to really, it was really observe. I mean, I would have made myself uh, available to help, but he didn't want that help. He just said, no, you just sit there, relax, engage me in conversation. And yeah, so there is something that's that that bonds people together when they're together in preparing a meal. Yeah. Well. I was also very fortunate. My former father Hathaway, my former pastor, who mm. allowed me to do these cooking classes, had me cook at the rectory for all sorts of events, oh, including wow. Opus Dei priests. And he he is really a foodie, but it was a great experience to be there because he really he opened up a whole other world of cooking for all sorts of people. Even Father Jacques Philippe was one of his guests. So I cooked for priests. I cooked for all sorts of people. It was really an experience. And he uh, allowed me to do that, and it taught me a great deal about cooking for a lot of other people who really sat down and enjoyed eating together. It was just great to watch that happen. Mm-hmm. So you're you're absolutely right. Eating together is a great gift. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And uh, and you know the the topics of conversation that can and do come up around the dinner table. Now, I know I can imagine that some of our listeners are thinking, yeah, well, you've never been in my house around Thanksgiving time. It gets uh, pretty heated around that time. And yeah, sometimes it can, but I still maintain that there is a bonding to be had. For instance, um, one of my annual uh, practices is I go on a three-day silent Ignatian type retreat that's all men. And we gather uh, for every meal in the dining hall, 
and we sit there in silence with one another uh, as we as we eat. And yet still, there is bonding that's going on even in silence around this table. And that says something. I'm not sure exactly what, but that says something about the bonding experience that can happen when you share a meal with another. Well, I think if, I think back in all the cooking classes, the people really got to be, the students really got to be good, really good friends with each other. It was not only mm. teenagers, but it was adults as well. And it came and they, you know, they, they've remained friends afterwards. It was, they were working together over food. It was, a, it was a great experience, I think, for everybody. Sadly, the pandemic closed it down, but you know, up until that time, it was just a wonderful get-together experience. Yeah. Know, food and food and faith. That's yeah. what it was, food and faith. You know, that'd be a good reflection now that you're talking about that, Alexandria, that you brought up the pandemic, because um, that's that's one of the ways that I know that it cut into the fabric of our of our society, but even the fabric of our faith um, in that we weren't able to share meals together as readily as we had been. Well, you, I've certainly read that how many churches, the number of parishioners dropped dramatically. I have, because, yeah. Well, you know, our, I don't think our church was even allowed, allowing people in for a while. So it's very... It's very sad, you know. It's. I hope that people will return and, and embrace their faith again and embrace the food, mm-hmm. because we weren't certainly allowed to do much shopping or cooking or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Really, very sad. Anyway, yeah. yeah. I think it's. I think it's time. If I'm. The, if I'm the one who's who's <laughs> deciding, which I'm not. I'm simply a fill-in host for uh, a show on on relevant radio but uh but uh, I think it's time that we in our parishes maybe specifically if you haven't already done so in your parish it's time to re-engage especially with the social aspects of our faith our our the, those things that bring us together and I think uh, go beyond the coffee and donuts yeah have a luncheon have a have a dinner together um don't wait for lent to do your fish fries but uh do it now I, I think it's time um, I, I, turning back to the to the book, Catholics in the Kitchen, Alexandra. Uh, I, I'm just wondering if you had ha, have had a chance to try any of these recipes or many of them. Um, if there's one that stands out as a favorite, um, well, I, as I had, I had a lot of friends do the testing because I was writing it. Unfortunately, I couldn't have, I couldn't do both. Uh-huh. Um, but I think, let's see. Oh, I don't know. I think they were all very good. I can't remember which one I've had. Recently, and it's been a while since we we did this tested all okay. the recipes, but they were really. I, I wish I could say, "Oh, it's this, it's that." I just don't remember because it's sure. been such a, a while. That's well, all right. I, just, Garden, just curious. Herb, herb, herb marinated pork tenderloins that mm. uh, Jim Ennis produced. He said that's one of his favorite dishes, and it's it was really delicious. A friend that brought it did it for me and brought it over. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. Really wonderful. Anyway, the food is all good. There's everyone to try everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, again, just looking through it, some of the some of the uh, recipes that are in here these are not these are not just kind of light recipes. They're I mean they're they're good stuff. This is stuff you can serve at a at a family gathering at a at a holiday party. How about this wild duck andouille and oyster gumbo? Hmm? That sounds fantastic! <laughs> oh my gosh! Doesn't that just sound yummy? Absolutely oh, yummy! I, I am not. I am not joking that my mouth is literally watering right now as I'm looking <laughs> oh, dear. at this. It's, <laughs> oh, Chicken creole and cornbread. Oh, oh, well. So oh, again, 
The book is Catholics in the Kitchen by Alexander Greeley, published by Tan Books, Nurturing the Bond Between Faith and Food. Some great stories in here um, from clergy and laity alike. Alexander, I think before we, we let you go here, I wanted to, uh, I really wanted to get from you just um, your thoughts on somebody. And if they're wondering about how can I utilize the food to utilize food as a vehicle for expressing or perhaps um, building faith in myself or others. Any ideas along that line? Um, well, I do a lot of home cooking, and I think about foods that would be, you know, either have a biblical source or uh, I could serve to friends that would bring people together that are not just really exotic and too peculiar. But I think when I prepare food, I think about all the the many different uh, cultures that we have in this country, and I think people have to learn that it's not just you know, hamburgers and hot dogs, but it's, how many, we have so many different cultures in the United States, and I think it's time for people to try what other people share as their home native cuisine. And I know in the Washington, D.C. area, it's probably not true elsewhere, but there's food from every part of the world here, and people love to go out and example, you know, try Jewish food or, uh, sorry, excuse me, or Texas food, or you know, it's food from everywhere, mm-hmm. Spanish food, Mexican yeah. food. I don't yeah. know if that's true. As I said, this is Washington, D.C., where everything right. is here, but wonderful, wonderful. Right. It, it all is wonderful. Alexandra, thank you so much for your taking time for being on the show tonight, Trending with Timory, and thank you also for your work that you've put into this book, Catholics in the Kitchen, Nurturing the Bond Between Faith and Food. God bless you, and may, you know, keep on cooking. Thanks for being on the show, Alexandra. Thank you. You go home and cook too. All right, go have your yes, dinner. Yes, sounds great. I think I, I think I will very, very soon here. Thank you. God okay. bless. Thank you. God bless. Yeah, yeah. Well, great conversation with Alexander Greeley. Again, um, the book is Catholics in the Kitchen, Nurturing the Bond Between Faith and Food, um, published by Tan Books, and it is available now, Tan Books. Um, and uh, just, uh, we got a phone call in from Paul, who's calling in from South Mississippi. And uh, Paul, you got a comment on on uh, faith and food yourself. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that food is for our sustenance, but, you know, it's really, as you also kind of uh, hint to, it's really a gift from God. There are so many wonderful tastes, flavors, and, and aromas that come from, from cooking. Um, and to connect the, the whole notion of, of, of food and faith, we also have the the uh, the important aspect of like any any important gift that we have from God, it can be abused, and we need to mm. be careful of that. You know, of course, uh, the, the 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 gluttony can can kind of sneak in there. So um, it's important to kind of keep that in in mind as we uh, connect our our food and our faith. That's that's a great point, Paul. That that is it. Yes, just like any any good things, we can overdo it as well. Any. Any tips? Do you have any way of, of uh, keeping from overdoing it, Paul, just out of curiosity? Well, you know, around the holidays, that gets hard, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. <laughs> but uh, New Year's resolution there, it's, uh, it's always a good thing to, uh, it is. to um, you know, attempt. And pray. Pray hard, right? Absolutely. And may the virtue of temperance lead us and guide us, right, and all of that. Yeah, very Indeed. good. Indeed. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for, for my call. Thanks for listening, Paul. Thanks for the call. It's a good reminder that, yes, even as of all the good that food can bring, 
um, we still have we still have the opportunity or we still have the the possibility of overdoing it as well. That has made its way into my confessions uh, now and again that way too. You're listening to Trending with Timory. We're talking about faith and food here on a happy hour Monday. When we come back, we're going to have another guest on to continue the conversation. Stay with us. We're going to be back just after this. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to Trending with Timory. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Timory tonight. My thanks to Jim Shaper, our producer, and Patrick Alog, who's taking your taking your phone calls tonight. And if you'd like to join the conversation, we're talking about food and faith on this happy hour Monday. And what is the intersection between food and faith? Just heard from Alexander Greeley about Catholics in the Kitchen, published by Tan Books. Check that out. My next guest is someone near and dear to my radio heart, Cami Berthium, in addition to serving as the digital content coordinator for the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, a role that focuses on managing social media accounts and helping with digital content creation. She's also the producer of the relevant radio show that I host weekly, locally there for the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, called Practicing Catholic. You can check that out at practicingcatholicshow.com. So basically, she does a ton of work for me. So thanks, Cammie. Cammie is active in her parish community and resides with her husband in a suburb of the Twin Cities. Cammie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. Of course, yeah. It's so much fun to be to be on this side of the mic with you and um, yeah. yeah, to share in you weekly in our Practicing Catholic show and now here. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm grateful because you do have, the reason I'm having you on the show is you, you have a draw to this hospitality. We've talked, I don't know how many times, mm-hmm. hospitality, hosting, cooking, baking, and enjoying, of course, fellowship with other Catholic young adults, which you are. I am not, Probably. but you are a Catholic young adult. Um, so uh, I, I guess I, the, my first pitch to you, Cammy, same thing that I mm-hmm. asked Alexandra, which was, when did you first develop an interest in this sort of thing, in cooking and uh, in creating food? Yeah, that's a you know what, that's a great question. Um, I think it kind of started to develop more um, in my young adult years, if you will. Hmm. Um, I recently got, well, not recently, and we were married in 2019. And so that was kind of the first um, experience that I had with, you know, having the chance to build up a domestic church. And it's um, just my husband and I, but seeing, you know, even cooking dinner every night as an opportunity um, to serve in that way, in that selfless, hmm. loving way as a wife. And, um, you know, I just think it's a it's a really beautiful thing to be able to share that with family and and of course, with friends, when it comes to hospitality and hosting people in our homes, um, getting a chance to create something and then to share it with others is is a great uh, opportunity to serve and and um, yeah, to practice that hospitality. Man, you're hitting on some great topics just right there. Especially, for instance, one you said about the domestic church, and you're 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 even mm-hmm. building relationship with your husband um, by creating meals for him. Does he ever help out? By the way. <laughs> Oh, yes. As, as I'm okay. on the phone with you right now, he's graciously um, doing all the dishes. So, you know, it's a give and a take, I think. You <laughs> yes. know, some people, 
yeah. Some people prefer to be cooking and then, you know, picking up the dishes after can yeah. be another task to share that, um, to share that. Yeah. Task. Yeah. That's, I mean, the general standing rule in our household is that if you cook, then the other person does the dishes. But, uh, yeah, right. if, uh, but you're right. It can be something where you can partake in together. And, um, yeah, what kind of, what kind of, uh, I don't even know the right word to use, but what kind of richness is involved for you in the preparation of a meal, Cami? Well, I think it's, I mean, we share a tradition. I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd call it a tradition, but um, usually every Sunday we, you know, we get together we sit down and we just kind of discern, okay, what are we going to even meal plan for this week? So something wow. as basic as meal planning, which we do, which people might do anyway, like taking that as a chance to connect with your spouse or the people that you live with, um, your parents, even if you, you know, live in a multifamily household or, or whatnot, that can be a chance to to share in that. Um, and then, of course, we grocery shop together, which is also kind of nice. You know, you can go out together and pick out the produce and maybe get a coffee or something along the way and kind of make mm-hmm. a little day out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, preparing it. We kind of just we it, I guess I'd say it kind of divvies up by who has more energy at the end of the day. But sometimes, <laughs> yep. um, you know, it just I, I, I do have more of a draw to it. So I end up doing most of it, I'd say, out of joy. And I think that's a big key part of it, too. Um, taking the time to make it and then to, you know, sharing it with joy with somebody, not make it seem as like it's, it's a burden. Um, cause you know, it's a task that we all have to do. We all have to eat, right. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you might as well make it joyful. And I see that particularly as a beautiful way of serving one's spouse. Um, and it goes vice versa, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was reflecting some at the top of the show that just what, like you said, we have to eat, but God has given mm-hmm. us the opportunity yep. where there is there is pleasure to be involved in that, right? There's there's pleasure. Right. And, and I love the way you laid it out. With, I assume you didn't, you may not have even heard at the top of the show, but, um, but that there is pleasure in obtaining the food. There's pleasure in preparing the food. There's pleasure in partaking of the food. And even, yes, right. sharing in the dishes afterwards. <laughs> there's still, totally. Exactly. Yeah. You can make it fun, you know? Right, right. Now, what about, I mean, you mentioned hospitality as part of that. What, how would you describe food's role in hospitality? Why is food, why does food or how does food play such an essential role in hospitality, Cami? Yeah, I, I think that food definitely is like, has a huge social component, right? You know, I think of game nights that we've hosted or just family gatherings that we've hosted both of us having our families and inviting somebody into your home in that way, I think is a very intimate thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's a really good chance to show people and invite people into your home and your heart in a way. Um, Even if your home isn't perfect, I feel like it's, um, yeah, just a great way to show people you for who you are. And some good advice that I heard, I don't remember where I heard it, but over the years I've heard this advice of offering to meet people in your home as like opposed to a, like a public coffee shop. If you want to go and get coffee with someone, Mm. like taking the time to invite them actually to your house and not to some public setting kind of just Mm. heightens that. um, I don't know what the word would be heightens that intimacy of it all um, because opening your home to somebody um, can be vulnerable, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, just that invitation to share in a meal and, you know, have somebody either help you with the dishes or help put away um, the food or whatever. I think that's an opportunity for guests also to feel like they're serving you in a way too, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. getting that chance to give back and 
yeah, it's all just very cohesive, I'd say. It's all just a really great opportunity to serve and to be served, inviting yeah. people into your home that way. Without a doubt. I mean, that's that's one of those things is that uh, as we as we do bring people into our lives, I don't know if I don't know if there's a better way of doing it, of of sharing more. I love the way you said it, that it creates that intimacy. There's a deeper sense of intimacy when we're sharing mm-hmm. a meal together with them. You know, there is something about right. that. Well, think right. about even like in the in the dating world. Right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. one thing if they if they say, um, would you like to grab a coffee, you know, sometime? Um, and it's another time, another thing, if they say, would you like to get lunch sometime? It's quite mm-hmm. another thing. You say, would you go out to dinner with me? Right. I mean, it, you can tell mm-hmm. there's different levels of intimacy there. Right. I haven't yeah. even thought of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's something about sharing a meal and especially if it's a, if it's a home cooked meal, right? If it's something that mm-hmm. you have labored over, you have, you have, uh, created and and uh, we i was reading a, a excerpt out of catholics in the kitchen for alexandra but uh, it was basically about a meal that went south in the preparation a, a disaster befell it i'm i'm guessing you've had that happen as well cammy yeah oh yeah nobody's perfect you know even <laughs> us young adults who think we have it all figured out <laughs> well at least you admit it or so so you know that's right. something yeah right. but and but I think one of the reasons why it's so you know it's so disheartening at least for me is when, when you know when you burn something that you were so excited to to serve is is precisely that is that you were excited to serve it because it's an right. expression if you will of of yourself and your care for these people totally <laughs> And, like, you can definitely pout a little bit if something goes awry that you didn't want to happen. But I think, yeah, just still showing up. And luckily my husband is a very gracious husband who who doesn't say anything if something turns out a little burnt. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He'll eat whatever's put in front of him. But, um, yeah, that that certainly happens. But you just, you know, you got to smile and just go with it. Yeah, yeah, true enough, true enough. A couple more questions for you, Cammy. So this is one that I, I was thinking about: is that when you're going to, let's say you're going to have a group of people over and you're going to share a meal, maybe you're maybe you're making this meal together and that sort of thing. Now, I really, I'm I'm a strong proponent of when these sorts of things, when we have meals together with, and it wouldn't even necessarily have to be family. It wouldn't even necessarily have to be close friends. Mm-hmm. I really think that yes, we should let the conversations kind of develop and and kind of have the natural air to them. That said, it's probably not a bad idea to be thinking through maybe topics of conversation that you could introduce um, should something get you know something because I think this is an opportunity um, for people to share. And I guess my question mm-hmm. for you, Cami, is: Do you think that there's maybe an added level of vulnerability when we share a table together? In other words, um, do you think that we're moved to share more of ourselves when we're gathered around a table together than we otherwise might? Oh, certainly. Partially, just because you're literally staring somebody in the eye, sitting across from them, you know, and it invites the opportunity to share. Um, and yeah, I think there's definitely something vulnerable, not about just even inviting somebody into your home, but yeah, just like a coffee date, like you'd mentioned earlier, like just sitting across from somebody and like, just knowing that that's a chance to be talking and to be sharing about our days and sharing about what's going on in our hearts or things that we're struggling with. I think something that my mom did when we were growing up is we would go around the table and we'd share, um, what was it? Something that we were happy about, something that we were sad about. And something that we had learned new that day. And I think that 
but just so fun because I grew up in a family of four kids. Um, so just to kind of take that time, even if it wasn't something like super notable or something huge that happened at school that day, it was still like a fun way to connect with our family members, even if, yeah. you know, like it, usually it's just like, how was your day? Great. Okay. Well, you want to learn more about these people, um, whether it's your family or your friends who are sitting around the table with you, you know, just having a couple questions up your sleeve certainly can't hurt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I wouldn't, I'd be, I'd certainly sh- uh, shy away from forcing conversation, that sort of right, thing. Right. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think, yeah, if there's, if there's some element to it that you might need to just help things along a little ways, especially if there's strangers or new people involved in that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I know one of the things Paris is doing, we've had on, on our show, the show that you produce, uh, practicing Catholic and and I host we have we've had some people talking about you know guess who's coming to dinner so it's it's kind of this parish initiative mm-hmm. where people sign up and then they're kind of randomly drawn and sent to a per- certain person's home and there's kind of a potluck there they don't know who's going to be there but it's a way of connecting with other parishioners in that way totally. so uh, yeah I think that's a I think it's a that's great so idea yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's a yeah, great idea yeah. right well, um, Cami, just as uh, as the show's kind of winding down here, but um, I guess mm-hmm. here's here's a question I didn't get to ask Alexandra, but I'll, I'll ask you, especially as a young adult. You know, there might be a lot of young adults out there who aren't necessarily drawn to cooking, who aren't in a situation where they're cooking for anybody other than themselves, or maybe not even right. that. You know, if you're if you're making mm-hmm. enough money, I suppose you could you could go out to eat every night. You know, that sort of thing, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you do or how might you suggest that uh, that people get more involved in cooking? Yes, but also in sharing um, the creations with others so that they can build that that hospitality and that fellowship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I would say that whatever your creative thing is that you're drawn towards, whether it's baking or cooking or even if it's something like outside of that realm, like art or any other thing like even something like wrapping presents, you know, that's, that can be an art, something that you do for others. I think that it can be used as a way, you know, to serve the Lord through, through fellowship or hospitality or um, thinking of it almost as like a gift of self in a way. So whether that's cooking, like we mentioned, or just some other form of art that you're drawn to, or some other creative thing that you're drawn to, um, just taking time to do something for others and and share with others and be vulnerable with others, I think is a definitely a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. Just a, a, a place to open up and share from oneself. Right. Cami, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time and for all the things that you do for, for me and for practicing Catholic, but also for being a guest on trending tonight. Thank you, Cami. God bless. Of course. So much fun. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah. Cami Berthium, the Digital Content Coordinator for the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. Good friend and as well as producer of the weekly show that we do together, practicingcatholicshow.com, to check that out. Well, as we're wrapping up the show tonight, I, I think obviously we need to say, when we're talking about food and faith, we need to, of course, talk about the Eucharist, and we need to talk about the great feast that we are all invited to, um, yeah, week after week, day after day. And it is a place, I think when we have food, when we have gatherings around food in our own homes, then we start to see that. We start to see and experience 
the value and the depth of the Eucharist all the more when we partake in that. So I would encourage you certainly to go into, whether it be a holiday meal with family or just to get together with some friends, um, maybe it's just it's up to you to uh, to get things together and to invite some friends over for a meal. You can prepare it together and enjoy it together. I think all that actually does draw us deeper into an appreciation of all that the Eucharist does for us. I mean, it makes us Christ's body, right? It makes us one. It unites us together. So a lot of great things that will indeed contribute to our happiness. Oh, I wanted to make one more mention too, is that I don't know if you're familiar with the great Eucharistic film, Babette's Feast, but if you haven't seen that, Go out and view it wherever you view things. Babette's Feast is the place to look into. My name is Patrick Conley. Very grateful that you've joined us here on Trending. And you know what's coming up next? The Family Rosary Across America. So grateful that you're with us. Pray the rosary and then have some food. God bless you. We'll see you next time.